0: Okay. Good evening, okay. everyone. Parshas. I'm going to mute you guys. Parshas. I got it. Parshas Ki Sisa. <coughs> Tavshin Pei Daled Twenty Twenty Four. In the blue chamashim, in the parsha starts on page four, eighty four, four eighty five. Um, the basic themes of the parsha. The Torah starts off with a commandment to count the Jewish people by way of half coins, half shekel coins. And there is a, a big uh, to-do about that. A lot of different discussions and many, many, many um, discussion points and all the commentaries about that. And then the Torah talks about the the kiar. was made out of copper, which was interesting because most things in the base of, in the base of Megdash in the Mishkan were made out of gold or silver. <clears throat> One of the vessels specifically were made out of gold and silver, and the kiar was different. It was made out of a special thing. It was made out of copper. Does anyone know why it was made out of copper? Anyone have any idea? If you if you're if your hands raised, you're invited to talk. You just have to unmute yourself before you answer the question. That's the key.
1: Uh, the mirror, the mirror, the mirrors. It was the mirrors.
0: Very good, very good. It was the mirrors, indeed. And the, the achivas? You mean the yeshivas? The the
1: the 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 women pres- got the kept the cloud alive.
0: Someone's calling so the the not to be confused with the mirror yeshiva, the mirrors of 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 the women who were in Egypt and did not give up hope. The men in Egypt kind of gave up hope of survival. They kind of threw in the towel that they're gonna be doomed for Ever, and the woman—it's one of the the parts where they don't teach in day school, I guess. But it's definitely um, a prominent uh, piece that we that, that deserves to be mentioned, especially uh, among adults, that they beautify themselves. The women beautify themselves for their husbands, even though it was. Late at night, when they came home after 18, 20 hours of backbreaking labor, the woman came out and tried to get their husbands to continue on and to have another generation of the Jewish people <clears throat> because the husbands were kind of giving up and the woman persevered. Another one of the string of events in these parshios where the woman, for whatever reason, um, stayed stronger and truer to the torah and to god himself than the Mended. and that's why these mirrors were used to to, to add for the kiar for the the laver which is the the water basin to wash your hand wash the kohanim's hands and that's why even though it was made out of copper and it wasn't um, nothing, none of the other vessels were made out of copper this was special because this copper was unique and special because it served a tremendously important purpose in Egypt it. did it
1: lead to them, did that lead to them creating the song of the sea see like mirrors that can see no it's entendre. funny
0: no you're you're right you're making a joke because because when the, the the sea but the reality is it's not it's not a joke because that's because the Rashi over there... See, sometimes you make jokes and they're actually true. Rashi by the, over there say something very... You know what Rashi says? Rashi says, who's the one who first started the sing?" It was Miriam. Miriam. Why Miriam? Because Miriam um, burst forth from her song. And there's, there's a few other, there's other ways to explain it. But since you brought it up, I'll just thread it through this theme that the woman were the ones who didn't give up hope. The women were the ones who were always out in front in this particular era. And that's why they were the ones who sang first and the men followed. So it wasn't, uh, even though you said it in jest, it's pretty accurate, actually. Okay.
2: Why did you say just in this particular era?
0: No, no, in this particular era, we see it consistently that the women are consistently um, being true and righteous, and the men consistently fail. But Linda, for you, I'll say it like this. In this era, we see the men consistently failing. Is that better? No, I don't see the men
2: necessarily failing. You know, I don't think the men failed, but I think the women, the women were, were stronger in certain ways, and it continues to this day. Okay, could and be. the men on failing; we're they're they're the, contributing the in quarters. different ways. Well,
1: I don't spiritual. think that the the men were doing slave labor all day long, and I never read anything about the women doing slave labor, oh, unless they were, which I didn't read anything about yet. Yeah, but the, the men, men were did, doing slave the, labor. The ladies did
2: men work the, the men did ladies work. It was it was. Hitler tried to do the same thing, you know, to do things and undo things. But demeaning. But the, yes, very demeaning. Correct.
0: Yeah. So in this, in this particular instance um, of the slave labor, you know, it was definitely the men and, and women both had a very, very, um, I would assume equal share in the labor. But that's just one of the events. We'll see as we're continuing through the parasha, we'll see that we'll bump into the next story which is really the main theme of the Parsha, which is the sin of the golden calf, where we find again with the sin of the golden calf that the women were um, righteous and they did not take any role in the sin of the golden calf. Yet the men were kind of the ones who, again, not all the men in the Jewish Jewish nation, some of them, but all of the women stayed away. That was another event. And then you go through history, we find there's a famous story with, 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 and I'm just going to, the top of my head, by Korach. Korach um, um, staged a whole rebellion against Moshe. And one of his right hand men, his name was Unmenpelas. And he was very, very uh, um, um, high up there, and he was making a lot of trouble. And his wife, was the one who convinced him to stay away. His wife said, with reason, with strong line of reasoning, as if Moshe's in charge, he's in charge. And if Korak's in charge, Korak's in charge. You have nothing to you don't stand to gain anything in the process. Why are you getting involved? Stay away. And with that, he ended up staying away. So we see again different times throughout the (coughs) the the era of the of the uh, Jews in the desert, we find the same idea where the the woman for some reason were able to take a a, a, um were able to be more righteous for whatever reason. I don't I don't have an answer, I'm just pointing out. A, a, a fact, but however, back to us. Okay, so then the Torah really talks about a a, a very it brings down the um the um commandment um of Shabbos again, and it's an interesting piece of trivia. Um, I pointed this out to one of the Kola rabbis who writes the riddles in the in the family journal and he actually put it in last year um what mitzvah what commandment appears in the seven parashas in a row seven weeks in a row you'll bump into the same commandment the same mitzvah it's repeated seven times okay and the next two parashas in this parsha and the previous four job and that's the ancestry, so the mitzvah of Shabbos. The mitzvah of Shabbos appears seven weeks in a row. You can imagine, I guess, the prominence that Hashem put on the mitzvah of Shabbos where he wanted to repeat it seven weeks in a row till it got into everyone's heads. I'm not sure if that's the precise reason though it banged it into everyone's heads, but it's very apparent that it's a very uh, important mitzvah. It's one of the Anchor is one of the pillars of, of, of Judaism. And then really, <clears throat> I said it backwards, in, 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 in the order of the Parsha, but after Shabbos comes the sin of the golden calf, which we're all familiar with in some way, shape, or form. Then, as we all know, Hashem, sorry, Hashem, Moshe went up to and He went up to the heavens for 40 days, 40 nights, Brought while the sin of the golden calf was going on, he comes down, he destroys the Luchos, he throws the Luchos on the floor. And we find that Hashem later on, all the way at the end, Hashem gives him a Yasher Koach. Hashem says, Thank you for breaking the Luchos. That was the sometimes when we break something, when we destroy something, it's the the best way to rebuild. When someone breaks a finger or, or arm and he doesn't get a healed, doesn't get a cast and it heals, and it heals a uh, side razor, heals back some improperly. Hashem, oh not Hashem. In my example, then sometimes you have to go to the hospital and they'll re-break the bone to put it back to the right spot to, in order to 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 put it in a cast and make it better again. Sometimes we we do it like that. Sometimes that's how it works. Now. In the spiritual world, it can be, it can be like that as well. When Hashem recognized and when Moshe recognized that the Jewish people sinned and they weren't worthy, the the the, the desecration of Hashem's name was so so bad that the destruction of the luchos was in fact a greater kiddush Hashem, as it were, than if he would have kept the luchos. And there's a lot of midrashim about this that the letters actually floated up to heaven, and he actually it was actually just a big stone. When he threw it on the floor, it, had no, it lost all of its holiness because the holiness kind of drifted up to, sh- to heaven. And then God um, introduces, after Moshe pleads with him, um, with God to, to, to forgive the Jewish people, God introduces the where goes, the 13 attributes of mercy. 13 attributes of mercy in Hebrew are called the Yod Midos She'arachamen. And he brings out the second tablets, the second Luchos, and I think he finished the parsha. basically. There's a few commandments at the end, um, milk and meat, and then it talks about Moshe had this beautiful um, spiritual rays of light that came out of his face that no one in the Jewish people was able to see they couldn't look at it so he had to cover his head his face with a veil the masveh I don't know if it's literally the exact English word for a veil but um some sort of covering and the famous picture that is the cause of all the myths of Jewish people with horns I believe comes from that positive that verse if I, if I if if my rabbi said over the story correctly there was a famous painter his name was michelangelo and he was um hired to paint the painting of moshe and apparently he read the verse karan or punov and in his hebrew english dictionary he didn't have the word karan which means light rays of light and he translated the word karan karan means a horn so apparently, he made motion with horns. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's a true story. And since then, it kind of got um, part of the... Obviously, when you have strong anti-Semitism, people latch on to funny things, but apparently, that's where it came from. Okay. Let's go and talk... 20 Let's talk about... I want to talk about two things. Hopefully, three, but probably two. We're going to talk about the luchos. The two sets of luchos. We're going to try to take out a little bit from both sets of luchos. And we're going to hopefully get to talking about Chavez a little bit. Okay? That's the plan. I'm going to try to just talk about a few smaller things with regards to the Luchos instead of going on a 45-minute spiel um, because there's a lot to learn about the Luchos and we've mentioned many things in the past, in the previous years, so we'll just share a few small, beautiful thoughts. Okay, in the Pasuk chapter 31, which is parak Laman Aleph, verse 18, Pasuk Yod Ches, the Torah says like this, V'yitain el Moshe, Hashem gave Moshe, ke-cha-lo-so, once he finished, davarito. Um, once he finished speaking with Moshe, Behar Sinai, on Mount Sinai. Sh'nei luchos the two tablets of testimony, Evan stones <laughs> inscribed by the finger of God, okay? So do we know a whole lot about the lucos? Well, the Torah says that it was written by God himself, and that's and they were made out of stone and and that's it. That's about it, okay? That's what we know about the Luchos. Now, let's turn a few pages. Chapter 32, verse 15, 16. Okay? Okay? Moshe comes down from the mountain. He sees what's going on. What does he do? He throws the Luchos on the floor. Now, before he throws the Luchos on the floor, what does the Apostolic say? I'm just going to read it in English. Okay? Moshe... Turned to him and descended from the mountain with two tablets of testimony in his hand. Tablets inscribed on both their sides, comma. They were inscribed on one side and the other. The tablets were God's handiwork. And the script was the script of God engraved on the tablets. Okay? All of a sudden, we're getting a whole explanation, a very, very detailed explanation two whole verses explaining what is going on with what the tablets looked like. They were inscribed on both sides. The Torah is telling us, if you look at, at the Mepharsham, that you're able to see straight through to the other side from all four angles. It was a miracle. And all the different things it was inscribed with the finger of God, and the script was the script of God. All this stuff, okay? What happened? Why didn't the Torah tell us this before? When the Torah is describing, God gave the Luchos the tablets to Moshe, and he should the Torah should have said it then. All of a sudden, now when Moshe is about to throw them on the floor, all of a sudden now the Torah is explaining to us all the details. So the this the Sheman and Hatayv, one of the the later, um, it's like a pretty um, classic sefer book written on He says a a beautiful insight in human psychology he says like this, he says when you have something and Hashem gives you something or a parents gives you something or a friend or we have it um, in different areas in our life we tend to take them for granted and we tend to all of a sudden as soon as you get something off and off you tend to assume it's going to be a given and all of a sudden what happens all of a sudden Someone takes it away, and all of a sudden they go, Ooh, I wish I would have appreciated it when I had it. So the Torah is trying to highlight this to us. The Torah is trying to tell us, in the beginning, Hashem gave the tablets to Moshe. What were the tablets? Were the tablets. And then, as soon as Moshe is about to throw them on the floor, and we we're going to be losing them forever, all of a sudden the Torah says, now human psychology kicks in, now they started realizing how special the tablets were, they were written by God himself and they were never going to merit that again we don't have, the second luchus weren't written by God himself, the second luchus as we're going to see, was written by by Moshe, it was a whole different level of holiness, it wasn't the same level so we can take things granted, it reminds me of a famous story, which I'm assuming is a true story, it's a chassidish story if it's not a story, it's a parable but I think it's a good story. Once upon a time, there was a rabbi, and there was a chusin a chassid, and a chasid. And chasid comes crutching to the rabbi. Rabbi, rabbi, I have one bedroom and one big common room in my house in my little hut, and my eleven kids. I can't fit. It's terrible. I can't sleep at night. When I wake up, they're trying to put the kids around the table. This kid's head sticking out the window. That kid's foot is at the door, and my other kid, his head's up the chimney, and we don't fit. We don't fit. What are we supposed to do? And the rabbi thinks to himself, hmm, "That's a big problem." Do you have a cow? So the chas says, "A cow? I do have a cow. My cow sleeps beautifully in the in the barn." So the rabbi says. Bring the cow into your house. Hmm. Cow into my house? How is that going to help? So the rabbi says, the rabbi says, you gotta listen, okay? Chasid runs home, brings the cow into his house, and since we don't have half hour, I'm going to say the rest of the story quickly. And he comes back to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, Rabbi, today it's even worse. Not only do my eleven kids in the house. But my cow was running around and he knocks over all the cereal. And my kids are, running. one my time my kid was with his back, like, shoom, the cow hit him with his tail. Oh my gosh, it was a disaster. And the rabbit says, hmm, That is a big problem. I think not long enough. I can't be a rabbit. Maybe Leslie. Chip pitch in. Okay. Anyways, so the rabbi says, hmm, Do you have a goat? He says, Yes. He says, Bring the goat into the, the house. Herum. goes home, he the goat into the house, oh my goodness, now you can imagine, it's even worse than before, and the goats busy, bah. no, goats don't do bad, whatever they do, they bleat, what do they do, bleat, bleat, something, anyways, so, and you can imagine, and the next day, comes back to the river, and the river says, okay, I'm gonna do the sheep now, bring the sheep into the house, now I can do my bat." and the sheep goes bad all night, and they can't sleep, and they can't eat, and it's Grace, it's very, very, very painful. And finally, after day number, however long you have to speak, and you'll insert that many days of things that he brought into the house, he comes to the rabbit. Now, I am really in trouble, I really don't have any space. And the rabbit says, Today, I want you to bring everything out. And he brings all the animals out, and he goes, Ah, loving kids, so much space. Whew, with all the animals gone, so much. That's the story. So it's the same idea that sometimes you need to lose the comfort you have, even and then then you get it back. You appreciate it, and sometimes Hashem doesn't give us that privilege. Like when people pass away, obviously when parents pass away and other people, loved ones pass away, we will never get them back until Mashiach comes. And sometimes it's it's so special, so important to appreciate what we have because. We tend, as human beings, we tend to forget and not appreciate the little things that we have, and the big things, even even the big things as well. The it's interesting we have people. I, I don't want to say this all out, but in public, I guess there's nothing wrong with saying it. But you can go to a, I was just at, at, at Karen Oz's mother's funeral, and Baruch Hashem she lived a long life. She was ninety six. Can I um ninety six when she passed away, and it was it was. Uh, the funeral was, was 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 proper it was it it was it was, it was the, the people spoke very nicely of her she seemed to have a beautiful long life and and everyone was crying and except for the rabbi i don't know what happened to him he wasn't he wasn't very jolly mood that day but the i don't know who the rabbi was but the the people were were all very solemn and the the Children were crying in the grandchildren, and and I was I was thinking to myself like this lady was a wonderful lady. She lived a very long life, very beautiful life. She had over a dozen grandkids. And I th- I'm, I'm assuming the family was all the most of the people that were family. It was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful scene. And yet, even though that was the case, everyone was still sad and crying. Why? Because at the end of the day, once someone's gone, you think it's a wow. Like I really thought like she would live forever. Like I didn't really think that it would ever happen. And it's it's a certain there's a certain it's the way we live, it's the way human beings are. We tend to take everything for granted. We all think we're gonna live forever, even though we know we're not. We all think our loved ones are gonna live forever, even though we know no one's gonna live forever. We all think that we're all gonna have everything we need forever, and we're all going to be wonderful and healthy forever, and I wish that was the case, and it should be the case, I mentioned we will all be healthy, um, as healthy as we can be, but when we have what we have, we should always appreciate what we have, that's one lesson of the Lukas. Okay, let's go into the next lesson. We're talking about the first luchos and the second luchos. So there is a there is a where is this paper? There is a... Rabbi, is this... They say they're different words in, I guess we're in Exodus, uh, and then in Deuteronomy. Is that no, the... No, this, is something else. this is something else. There's ah. actually It's actually very interesting. You, you bring up a very interesting point, which is that in the Torah's wording of the Luchos, which is earlier on, a couple of weeks ago. And the Torah's wording in when the Torah repeats everything in, I guess you call it, in, in, in Devarim, in Deuteronomy, um, they have different words. And the Torah actually says, the, the Medrashim tell us that miraculously, whatever that's supposed to mean, the Torah, the, the Lukos actually said both. And you're able to read them both. Like it says, Zachar remember the Shabbos, this Shabbos, and it says, Shomer. You should watch, you should guard Shabbos or watch Shabbos. The Torah mm-hmm. says, Zachar echad. They were said in one utterance. And it was written on the Luchos as one thing. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. It was a miracle, and I don't I can't perceive miracles. But that's what no, it was. No.
1: Rabbi, the words of the Torah were given before the words were written on the stones. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, because because Moshe had to go up for forty days and forty nights <laughs> after the revelation at Mount Sinai. So the revelation of Mount Sinai happened on 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 if you do the math, it adds up the 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 seventh day of, of Sivan. And then forty days later was um should be Shivas Satur which is a fast day, and then there was a space in between, and then on Rosh Chodesh Elul, he goes up for the second time for forty days. And as anyone knows, anyone know what's forty days after Rosh Chodesh Elul? I'll give you a hint: a month is thirty days, so let's jump on to the next month. What's ten days later? Is Yom Kippur. So we actually got the second set of luchos on Yom Kippur itself which is a very interesting thing. We spoke about this last year. I'm not going to have time to talk about it this year. Why we celebrate the giving of the Torah on Shavuos, which is the Torah, the Luchos, the commandments that didn't last. We should be celebrating it on Yom Kippur, which is the tablets, the Luchos that we that we, that we have. And that's not a discussion. Um, thing go for it. Rabbi, um, when most... First- and again, I on first,
1: so say. "The first, the first set of luchos that were destroyed. Um, when the letters go up to Shemayam, is that supposed to signify that they have lost their kedusha?
0: Well, the, the, no, the letters retain their kedusha. That's why they went heavenward. But the, the luchos tablets, lost yes. their." So it's, the Luchos
1: lost their Kedusha when the letters went up to Shammai. In,
0: in some form. It still okay. retained some of it.
1: So um, did they regain their Kedusha? I mean, did the letters ever come back? Because weren't those the Luchos that they kept inside the Iron Kodesh?
0: Yes, yeah, very interesting. I was going to get to that at some point, if I have time. But, <clears throat> so really, that's part of the, the question, which is so something we're talking to talk about. So I'll, I'll answer it hopefully in the in the process. So I'm not going to answer okay. that directly now. Hey, Linda, what's your question?
2: I was I had heard that when Moshe Rabenu was coming down for with the first set of locos, that Hashem was helping him carry the locos. And when when Hashem saw, and when when Hashem and Moshe Rabenu saw what was happening with the head of the ego. Hashem stopped caring, stopped helping Moshe carry. And at that point Moshe knew that he had that he had to do something and break the loophose. Yeah. Had you heard that is it in the Gomorrah yeah.
0: So yeah, so basically it comes really with what Leslie was saying with the letters. As the letters and the holiness so the way Hashem holds things in this world is not exactly apparent to me, but the way it is brought down is that the holiness of the luchos and all the letters that that cont- contained within, um, made it into like a spiritual entity, and spiritual entities don't do really hold weight. Just like the Aaron Kodash, when they held it, it held it held you, and you didn't actually have to lift it. You didn't have to actually. You didn't actually have to. Like exert yourself, it actually held itself because it was holy, it was spiritual. So the, so too with the luchos, the luchos basically held themselves, they were not heavy. As the letters floated up, floated up or flew up to heaven, the luchos started weighing down on Moshe, and Moshe started ha- having this huge burden of these huge tablets that were made out of stone, they were probably wa- weighed, I don't know, a thousand pounds, two thousand, it was a huge, huge big tablets, it wasn't it wasn't this little mini box. It was a big tablet. It was like a couple of feet by a couple of feet, I think, something like that. And and they weighed down on him, and he couldn't hold them anymore. And he actually, like you said, he used that as a as a uh, sign from Hashem that that he was supposed to destroy them. That's true, and correct. Let's just try to catch something about before our time is up, about the luchos themselves. The first luchos were written by God himself, as we mentioned before. Explicitly written in the Torah. The second set of luchos is not written by God himself. It was written by who? Same exact (laughs) words written by Moshe. So what's the difference? Well, obviously the level of spirituality in the second luchos was much lower because it wasn't written by God himself. But the Torah tells us uh, the commentaries discuss this in, in various places. Um, it comes up in different places. I'm trying to pin a good spot. Um, the I think it's the Medrash and I think, but I don't remember exactly when I thought I had it with a But that the first set of Luchos had the ability for a person to read it. And the Torah that's contained within the Luchos. The whole Torah which was somehow contained within the Luchos. And a person learned it, studied it. It was impossible to forget. It was a spiritual entity. that, when it went into your brain, it was like a sponge. And you, you just didn't forget it. It was just, there was no forgetting. And the second set of Luchos is the Torah that we have today. Clearly, forgetfulness is part of the second set, obviously, as we all are keenly aware of. And and I assume unless unless Leslie unless you unless you don't forget Tower, but by me at least I forget I forget my Tower. Um, I should I should have done that on Steve. Maybe Steve would have laughed a little more. <laughs> no. Um, but basically the the so okay so what's going on over here? So why 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 did we have this? Why is it important? Why why is this are we getting punished that we're now on a lower level? Is this is this the reason why we're getting this almost like a curse that we have to forget everything we learn? It's a blessing for rabbis, actually. They could say the same thing year after year and no one knows the difference. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Man, you're looking very disturbed in my joke. <laughs> but the basic idea See, some jokes Steve laughs at, some jokes Leslie laughs at, and different jokes Dan laughs at. You got to find the right joke for every guy. And Joel, you're a good guy, you laugh at everything. And, and Eddie, you get a little, a little smile. And Linda, I wish I could see, but your computer screen doesn't turn on, so I don't know when you smile. Okay, anyways, basically, the, 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 the answer is like this answer is, when Hashem watched the Jewish people um, completely rebel, spiritually rebel against him, like moments in the grand scheme of things, moments, almost moments, 40 days, after he gives them the luchos, he brings them to the wedding, he marries the Jewish people, and right there on the spot, they go and Serve someone else, a different idol. How does God forgive us for that? What's how does that work? How does that work? Again, this is a slightly spiritual concept, it's a little bit deep, but the and the commentary say that God introduced, as it were, the ability to forget in his own spiritual being, whatever that's supposed to mean. So now God can say, I'm going to forget, so to speak, your sin. But now once God puts this idea of forgetting into the spiritual world, the Torah and our connection with him (laughs) is predicated on God forgetting, so to speak, what we did that connection has to go both ways and now God says okay but now your Torah is predicated on your being forced to forget and basically since God has to forget our sin now our Torah is bound to this forgetting forgetfulness or forgetting the Torah so is it a bad thing of course it's a bad thing but if not for this um, midah, this attribute, as, as it were, of forgetting or forgiveness, then we would, we would never be here. We wouldn't be here. In fact, the Torah tells us that that there's two worlds. There's a world before the Torah, and there's a world after the Torah. The world before Torah, God says, I'll bring 26 generations. Oh, do the math yourself. That's what the Torah says, 26 generations. I didn't count it precisely myself, but I trust the sources. 26 generations of the world was kept alive purely because God was waiting solely because God was waiting for the the Jewish people to accept the Torah. It was pure chesed. God says, I'm going to keep the world going for that day. For that day, then God says, he brings the Torah to the world, he gives it to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people rebel. That Torah is a real Torah. It's a Torah without forgetting, without forgiveness. It's a Torah that God built the world on is a Torah that has no, no room for sin. Very similar to the world of Adam in, in, in ganeden Where there's no room for sin in ganeden And as soon as he sins, he has to leave. There's no tshuva, there's no repentance, Why? Because it's a whole different world. It's not the same world that we live in. That world was a world. Adam lived in that world. He got sent out because he did a sin. He sinned, and then for the next 26 generations, God kept the world alive. All the sins, all that stuff, it was all ignored or whatever you want to call it. Because why? Because Hashem was saying, I'm giving the Torah to the Jewish people in the year 2448. We're waiting for the year two four four eight, and then everything's gonna be good again. And then all of a sudden, the Jews sin. Now, now we need to do. We got to reboot. We got to reboot the world because there's no room for sin. Instead of kicking the Jews out of out of the world and blowing up the world and redoing it again, Moshe comes into play, and Moshe says, "No, no, no, no! no. If you destroy the Jewish people, you're taking me with them." Right, but we did do tshuva. because, we, oh, because oh, Okay, very right, good. So oh so explains the, Most the of ground ground up the, the golden calf and
2: we had exactly. to drink it and so we were purified.
0: Exactly, and the but people that was all But this is only after Hashem brought into this world this new concept of repentance of tshuva. Hashem had to create it. Of course, after Hashem created it, we we went in. We did tshuva. We did repent. Of course, that's what happened afterwards. But Hashem actually had to create a new version of the world with this idea of repentance. It didn't exist before. So you're going to tell me what do I you mean? There's dozens of people that sinned, or probably more. All of it. right? we find that Yehuda sinned, and and this person sinned, and that person, and all these different things. Reuben. Reuben sinned. Many people sinned. However, the there's a slight. Difference between the repentance that was before and after. The repentance that was before was again. There's two things here: that the Torah, the, the world was 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 expected to to live on regardless of sin until the accepting of the Torah. It was pure chesed from Hashem. Hashem says, "I'll disregard anything that happens in this world." Whatever happens is okay, because my people, my children are gonna accept the Torah. So whatever happens is good, as long as they accept the Torah, and then life is bliss. Life's good, right? And then they no, accept but he never
2: our... forgave us. He never forgave us for Adam completely for Adam and Chava, right? Well, That's something in, we're still working on. So exactly, if he did that, then why Exactly? I don't so know. So that was chance. my
0: that was my other point. I said the only other time we found this was when, was when Adam was in Gan Eden. Right. Adam wasn't He got banished. Why? Because he was living in that world, in that world in Genezon, it was existed in a place without any any mistakes. It was a perfect world. There was no mistakes. You mistakes, you get banished. That's the ideal world. And it's a little bit. I guess. I, I guess it's a little too complicated. A little more to tie up every last detail. But basically, yes, there 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 is something that we have to that we're we're, we're stuck with with Adam we're because still fixing. yes. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to say is that the second set of luchos and this whole idea is all predicated on this new found concept in Hashem's um, repertoire, so to speak, called forgiveness. True forgiveness, to forget as if it never happened before. Before that, there was no such thing as forgetting it as if Hashem could say, you know what? I'll let you get away with it. But it still exists. The sin, the sin, still there. Here, Hashem created this new concept where Hashem can say that if you do proper tshuva, I you erase it as if you never happened, as if you perfectly um, newborn child, perfect newborn child, which is the tshuva that we have today on Yom Kippur and other areas, other place, times. We can we can live this type of tshuva if you do a true, genuine tshuva. We can mamish take our sin and erase it as if it never happened at all. That's something that Hashem created, so to speak, um, during this during this time. And I think I'm going to end with that because it's over time. I didn't talk about Shabbos. But I'm very happy that we had a lively class today. So I think that one second.